I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're stepping in to the last chapter of 1 Peter this morning, chapter 5. Let me read it to you now. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Being a pastor can be a very hard job. But when it's done right, it's totally worth it. Being a pastor can be a very difficult job. But when it's done God's way... It is totally worth it. You'll see from the back of your bulletin that the title of this message is lifted from verse 2 of the NIV, which says, Be shepherds of God's flock. And there are two kinds of shepherds of God's flock mentioned in these four verses. There's the chief shepherd there in the last verse, verse 4. That's Jesus Christ. He is the chief shepherd of God's flock, the church. He is the lead pastor with a capital L, capital P, capital C. Jesus is the lead pastor of the church. And there are these other men who are called also to be shepherds, or another word for shepherd is pastor. There are these other men in this passage who are also called to be pastors of God's flock, and they are called elders. And this passage, as you heard me read it to you, is particularly addressed to them. He says, to the elders among you. Now that is a certain group of church leaders. The New Testament refers to these elders over and over again. The book of Acts, 1 Timothy, Titus, James, 2 John, 3 John. They're all over the place in your New Testament. The elders, or the Greek there is the presbyteros. Do you hear a word that we often use in English? You can tell which English words we get from that. The presbyteros, the elders, are the chief leaders of the New Testament churches. Whenever a new church was established in the New Testament, one of the marks of the health of the new church was the installation of godly elders to lead it. And apparently, the churches scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, remember chapter 1, verse 1, who this this letter is addressed to, were led by these elders. They were in all of the churches. And now Peter wants to talk directly to them. You you notice that he talks directly to certain people in this letter. In chapter 2, he talked to the slaves. He talks to everybody as foreigners and exiles. But then he talks to the slaves in chapter 2. In chapter 3, he talked to the wives. In chapter 3, he talked to the husbands. Now he talks to the elders. He says, and he talks to them as one of them. Did you notice that when I read to you, verse 1? 
to the elders among you, I appeal as a what? Fellow elder. A fellow elder. Peter says, I'm one of you guys. Yes, I am an apostle, and what I say to you is authoritative, but I'm coming to you as one of you, as a fellow elder. So what I'm about to ask you to do is something that I am also doing. Peter's saying, I'm not asking you to do something which I do not understand how hard it is to do or which I'm not willing to do myself. I'm there with you. Now, I think that Peter comes in like this because he knows that he's asking them to do something difficult. He knows that leading the church, especially during times of persecution, is really, really hard. We cannot forget the context here. Chapter 5 doesn't drop in out of nowhere, right? Doesn't, we don't just parachute into chapter 5. We get there by getting through chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. You remember what Peter has just told him? Anybody remember last week's sermon? <laughs> I don't remember it either. Okay, don't worry. Brothers, Beloved, he said, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are unjustly suffering. Do not be surprised that you are being persecuted. Do not be surprised that it hurts to be a Christian. He said, instead, rejoice, represent, and recommit. Do you remember that from last week? Rejoice, represent, recommit. One of you texted me this week and told me that that is your new mantra as you go to work out there in the big bad world each day. Rejoice, represent, recommit. That's what Marilyn does when she heads into Penn State in the morning. After she reads her Bible, gets some breakfast in her, she hits the road. Rejoice, no matter what. Represent on the job recommit. Peter ended that section by saying, this is the verse right before this one, the end of chapter 4, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And then he goes right into talking about these elders in particular. In fact, there's a word untranslated in your NIV. It's in the Greek though, it's like therefore. It's like so then. So therefore, Elders do this. See, there's a direct connection between chapter 4 and chapter 5. Let me ask it this way. Who do you think is probably going to get hit with the first blast of persecution? It'll be the leaders, right? They'll go after the leaders. If you take out the leaders, what's the first rule of warfare, right? If you take out the leaders, the followers will scatter. If it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God, then it will probably start with the leaders of that family, the elders. It certainly started with the top leader in the first place. Peter says that he is not only a fellow elder, but he is also, verse 1 again, a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Jesus doesn't ask the elders of the church to do anything he's not been willing to do first either. Jesus was willing to suffer unjustly. Jesus was willing to be crucified. Peter had seen it with his own eyes, a witness of Christ's sufferings. 
But Peter also knew that Jesus' sufferings were not the end of the story. How many times has Peter said something like this in this letter as we've been going through it since the fall? First there's suffering, and then there's what? Glory or blessing, right? First there's suffering, and then glory follows. That's the pattern. First we suffer, then we're blessed. First we suffer, then glory. Jesus suffered, and then he was raised victorious, and he will return in glory. And so will Peter. And so will me. So will we. Peter saw the suffering and he knows that he will share in the glory. Remember last week we said he shared in the, in the sufferings? When we suffer, we share with Christ. Well, we know we will also share with Christ in his glory. All the faithful elders will share in his glory. It's a hard job, but it's worth it. The elders of our church right now are Keith Fulmer, Joel Michaels, Cody Crumrine, Abe Scasel, and myself. Abe has been an elder now for almost two whole months, and he might be a little worried now that he's heard verse 1. These other guys have been in the battle a little longer. Keith and I are the only two men still on the elder team who were on the team then when I preached this text before, 20 years ago. I think back then we also had Bruce Weatherly, Wally Kephart, Charlie Weaver, George Leathers were on the elder team at that point. At our first elders meeting this January, 2022, we started the year by reading and praying over this passage to remind ourselves what we've gotten ourselves into and what we're supposed to be doing as elders. In many ways, this passage basically is my job description as a vocational elder. Do you ever wonder what a pastor does all day? Like, there's the joke that we only work on Sundays. I like that one. I use it a lot. I don't know. I only work on Sundays. And that for only half a day, right? But what, what does that guy do during the week? Well, here's my job description. This is... This passage, along with a short list of other key passages in the New Testament, gives me my job description as a church elder by vocation. This is what I'm supposed to do, as well as all the other church elders, and in principle and by extension, all other church leaders. And I see about four main things that Peter is saying to us here. Number one, be shepherds. This is one of those sermons where I'm preaching to myself, most of all, and you guys get to listen in. Most of the time I'm preaching and it's applied to all of us. Today you get to listen to me preach to myself and then apply it to yourself. Number one, be shepherds. Be shepherds of God's flock. That's what Peter says to the elders in, in, in verse 2. Elders among you, verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. That's the main thing that a church elder is supposed to do. We're supposed to shepherd, or another word for that is pastor, God's flock. The Greek word is poimanata, to care for a flock. Yesterday at Shannon Allen's memorial service, I talked about shepherds and sheep. Sheep need shepherds. They need to be fed and led. They need to be cared for, comforted, protected. Sheep need tending. People need pastoring. 
And in the church, that's the job of the elders, at least to see that it gets done. Be shepherds. The most important thing that we do as elders is not develop a budget or lay out a vision or hire a new administrative assistant or make policy decisions, though all of that can be key parts of faithfully leading a flock. The most important thing we do as elders is to act as shepherds of God's sheep. When the the pandemic began two years ago, I put four goals in front of myself to remind myself of my most important job as everything was changing. These were the four. Number one, number the sheep. Number the sheep. So we tried to make sure we had a good list of everybody that called this church their home. We updated the church directory and all the the all-church notification email list. And the elders divided up all the families and lists under each one of the elders. Number the sheep. We just did that again at the first of the year. We updated the directory. We made sure that each family had an elder that was responsible for shepherding it. Number the sheep. Number two was feed the sheep. Number the sheep, feed the sheep. No matter what, we all need the scriptures to be taught to us. So when the pandemic began, I made those sermon videos and tried to get them in front of your eyes. Feed the sheep. That's what I'm doing right now. Trying to feed you the scriptures for your spiritual growth. Feed the sheep. That's what Stay Sharp is all about, starting tomorrow, trying to make sure that our churches are fed with the good stuff. Feed the sheep. Number three, tend the sheep. Number the sheep, feed the sheep, tend the sheep. When the pandemic began, that was phone calls and texts and messaging and emails and video chats and Zoom fellowships and porch and driveway visits. And now it's home visits again and nursing homes and funeral homes and hospital rooms and playing fields and parking lots. And it's thinking of all of what our flock needs and trying to lead them to it. Tend the sheep. And number four was repeat. Number the sheep, feed the sheep, tend the sheep, repeat. Number feed, tend, repeat. Number feed, tend, repeat. Be shepherds. How am I doing? For me, the hardest part of COVID has been trying to shepherd well and knowing just how often I failed to do that. How often did you feel neglected? You wondered, is anybody thinking about me? Elders are supposed to be shepherds. You know, the most important words in that phrase in verse 4 are not the command, but who the command is about. It says, be shepherds of whom? What does it say? Be shepherds what? You're looking at it? Verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock. Whose flock? God's flock. Whose flock? It's so important for church elders to remember that. The flock is not yours. It's God's. The church is not mine. It's God's. This church is not Keith's or Joel's or Cody's or Abe's. It's the Lord's. Jesus bought the church with his blood. Acts chapter 20 says that. It's his. Now sometimes we'll say, at my church... We do it this way. We know what we mean. You've probably said before, 
I go to Pastor Matt's church. You're just trying to say which one it is, right? You're not trying to say that I own it. We all say, this is our church. We're congregational, so it's, it's our church. We all know what we mean by that. And I say this about you. I say, you are my church. I say, you are my beloved flock. But what I better mean by that is that you are the flock under my care. See how he repeats it? God's flock, the ones under your care. And I better treat you that way, as God's flock. I don't get to do with you what I want to do with you, what I want to do with you. What I do with you is what I believe God wants me to do with you. Elders, be shepherds. Number two, be eager. Be eager to serve God's flock. Be shepherds. Be eager. I get that also from verse 2. Did you hear it? Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. There's that word, eager. This one can be really hard. Because church leadership is not always fun, especially in times of persecution. Church leadership has been hard during the pandemic. I read a reputable statistic yesterday from the Barna Group, that church researching group, that 38% of pastors in the United States have seriously considered quitting the pastorate during the pandemic. That's nearly two out of every five pastors have seriously thought about quitting. But if we thought that pastoring during a pandemic was hard, just wait till we find out what pastoring during persecution is like. Peter says that these elders should pastor as overseers. The Greek word for that is episkopuntes. Do you hear another word in there? Earlier you heard presbytery, right? Here's episcopuntes. What word do you you get out of that? Episcopal, right? Episcopal. It means oversight. One looking over. The elders should give oversight to the whole church, providing direction and leadership. Not just doing everything, but seeing that everything gets done. Overseeing. But Peter says they should only do that work of overseeing only out of a certain kind of heart. Look again at verse 2, not because you must, but because you're willing. Not because of compulsion, not because it's your duty, not because it's your job, not because you signed up for it or they elected you to do it or your name is on some list, but because you really want to. See why that's tricky? Because we don't always want to. Do we? Church leaders don't always want to lead churches. But God doesn't want us to do it begrudgingly. He wants our hearts to be in it. And not in it for the money. Look at verse 2 again. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. There's some really twisted reasons why some people get into church leadership. 
or stay in church leadership. They do it for the money. And I'm not just talking about smiley television evangelists who apparently do it for the money. Shoot around in their jets and whatnot. They do it for the money, or perhaps they do it for some other form of payment, like the popularity or the power trip. Here at Lance Free Church, I am currently the only elder who is on staff and receiving a salary for being a vocational elder. So this can be a major temptation for me. You folks support me really well. And I could fall into the temptation of doing my shepherding so that the paychecks keep coming. I'll say something like, well, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Writing the next sermon or going to the next meeting just because you're paying me. Now, please don't stop paying me well just to test me on that, okay? But I have to interrogate myself on a regular basis to make sure that my heart is in it. The first part of the pandemic, everybody wondered, well, how's this going to affect giving at church? Would I still be your pastor if I didn't get a paycheck? That's what I was asking myself. And the answer is yes. But it needs to continue to be yes. And this is true for all church leaders. Because our job description says that we need to shepherd God's flock eagerly. We need to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. And if we're not, we need to have our hearts changed. We don't just say, well, I don't feel like it anymore. I quit. We say, I don't feel like it anymore. I repent. Not because you must, but because you're willing. What does he say? As God wants you to be. See how God is going after our hearts? If you're not really willing and eager then you should get out of your church leadership position. You don't want people, we don't want people to serve in church leadership who are not eager. But don't miss that God wants you to be eager. As God wants you to be. Check your heart. And in verse 4, he's going to give us a much better motivation. But first there's verse 3. And that's the third way that he wants elders to shepherd. He says, be examples. Be shepherds. Be eager. Be examples. Look at verse 3. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. One of the major ways that pastors pastor and shepherds shepherd and elders eld that's not really a word, is it? Is to lead by example. One of my pastor friends pointed out to me long ago that sheep cannot be driven. They have to be led. The shepherd goes first and the sheep follow. You can't get behind a bunch of sheep and say, okay, go, 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 and they'll go where you want, right? That's not what sheep do. Sheep go every direction, right? They can't be driven. The shepherd has to get in front and go where he wants the sheep to go. 
Peter remembered when Jesus said, you know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them? And their high officials exercise authority over them? That's the corporate structure. They say jump, and they say, how high? Where do you want us to go, chief? Jesus said, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus led by example. If anyone could rightly lord it over someone else, it would be Jesus. But even he showed the way by being a servant. When he washed their feet. Keith, Joel, Cody, Abe, and I want to be good examples for you. We are not perfect. Ooh boy, are we not. But we desire to live lives worthy of emulating. We desire to set the pace. I want to live my life as an example for you. It makes me tremble to say it. But watch me. I'm trying to show you how it's done. Be like me. I'm trying to live as a foreigner and an exile and abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against my soul. I'm trying to live such a good life in front of the pagans that though they accuse me of doing wrong, they see my good deeds and they'll have to glorify God on the day he visits us. That's what I'm trying to do. I want you to follow me. Be like me. By the way, if you are not an elder, you can apply this passage to yourself in lots of different ways. Some of you should aspire to being a church elder. Paul tells Timothy it is a noble task. It's a noble thing to want to be. Whether or not you actually ever serve on the official church elder team, Guys, you should want to be this kind of a godly man. Or if you're a lady, you can take these principles and apply them to the areas of church leadership to which you might be called. But another way to apply this to your own life, if you're not currently an elder, is to flip around each point and think about how to help your elders do their job as one of the sheep in God's flock. So if we're supposed to be shepherds, you could say to yourself, Am I allowing myself to be shepherded? Am I a good sheep? Have you asked yourself that lately? If we're supposed to be eager to serve you, you could ask yourself, am I making it easy for them to be happy to serve us? Am I supportive? If we're supposed to be examples for you, you could ask yourself, Am I following the example they are setting for us? Am I trying to be like them? In verse 5, Peter will tell the younger church members to be submissive to the elders. 
The sheep should regularly ask ourselves if we're allowing ourselves to be shepherded. The shepherd, shepherd should say, am I lording it over them? Am I domineering? Am I yelling and giving orders? This fall, there was this podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Some of you may or may not have listened into that podcast. And it told the story of this megachurch out west that just went off the rails. And it was led by a domineering pastor, full of gifts, amazingly gifted, but then using them to serve himself. And the people that enabled him, this church went from like 10,000 to nothing, gone. We don't want to go there, folks. We don't want to go there. The flock should regularly ask ourselves if we're allowing ourselves to be led. And remember, except for the chief shepherd, all human shepherds are sheep as well. We all need pastored. And we all need to ask ourselves if we're allowing ourselves to be pastored. One of the reasons I'm really pleased that Kerry Doyle is our district superintendent is because he does such a fine job of pastoring me. We need to ask ourselves, are we allowing ourselves to be numbered? Are we eating what our shepherds are feeding us? Are we following their lead? Because we are God's flock. We are entrusted to certain shepherds. Did you see that in, in verse 3 again? Not lording it over those entrusted to you. Entrusted to you. You're entrusted to me. Right now. You're entrusted to me. I need to not lord it over you. But I need to, be she I need to shepherd you. Abe and Cody and Joel and Keith and I all noticed that repetition when we studied it in January, and we felt it deeply. We've been given a trust to keep. May we be found faithful to shepherd this particular group of sheep, because if we are faithful, we will be rewarded. And that's our last point this morning. Be rewarded. Be shepherds. Be eager. Be examples. And number four, be rewarded by the chief shepherd of God's flock. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. <laughs> but I want to find out. I want that crown. Unfading crown of glory. The world's rewards and accolades will all fade away. But Jesus, who loves his flock, Nobody loves his flock like Jesus does. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He loves you so dear, dearly. Well, he's offering unfading rewards to those who love his flock for him. We will share in the glory to be revealed. Being a pastor can be a very hard job, especially when the persecution hits. But when it's done God's way, it is totally worth it.